Hi, Lily. Yes, Daniel. Hi. Oh, good. We got set up now. That's great. Uh, that's great. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, concert that's coming to Thomaston, and that's yes. uh, so that's this Sunday, right? Yes, the fifth. Okay. All right. And uh, we'll just roll with it uh, with it this way. Hi, I'm Daniel Britt, and on our guest line today is uh, the matriarch of the group, the Isaacs, Lily Isaacs. She was born in Germany after World War II to two Jewish survivors of the Holocaust. She grew up in New York in the Bronx, studying theater, performing uh, on Off-Broadway, and she recorded her first album in back, back in 1968 on Columbia Records. Uh, being raised Jewish, she finally became a Christian in 1971, and at that point, she decided to serve God with her music uh, and alongside her husband, the patriarch of the Isaacs, Joe. And uh, that foundation has brought us to where we are today, uh, a family that's rich in uh, the heritage of, well, I think of the Isaacs as bluegrass. But we're going to talk to Lily about all the different styles, uh, the Isaacs crossover. Lily, welcome to New Life FM and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, before we get into the Isaacs, uh, just because of the date of when we're taping this, uh, first things first. Yes. Uh, were the Isaacs on the Gaither cruise? Yes. Uh, that's. <laughs> and, yes, we were there the night Anthony passed away. We were right with him. It was very devastating. Uh, we were all on stage together, and um, we had just finished. He had just finished one of his pieces, and we were going into another song that the Gaithers do. And um, Anthony just kind of made this horrible face as if he was nauseated and just kind of squeezed his arms into his chest. And two or three of the guys on stage, including my son-in-law, John, and a couple, three other guys just grabbed him, picked him up, and walked off stage with him. And I think he died probably in their arms just before they laid him on the ground. Mm. He had a massive heart attack. It was just traumatic and very, very difficult. It happened this past Wednesday night, mm. and we had two more nights of performing. Of course, the people on the ship were just wonderful, and we all just grieved the rest of the week. But um, I, I, there's no easy way to do it. Yeah. Um, it was his time to go. And, uh, you know, God knows all things, but it was, it was extremely painful because we were all there and watched it. So I don't know that I've ever been that close, you know, to someone that was close to us hmm. die in our arms that way. So, but, you know, he, he passed away doing what he loves. He was playing the piano. He was it, on the piano stool playing piano when he died. It really came uh, as a shock to all of us, I think. Uh, and without being insensitive, uh, how do you go? How do you go on? I mean, you're on a cruise ship. People paid a lot of money, and and uh, yeah. uh, was the well, crowd very understanding? Obviously. Well, it, it was when they took him off stage, and um, some of the art. There were just about 20 of us on stage. We didn't have a large homecoming group on the cruise, um, but those of us that were on the stage, of course, four or five of the men had walked off and took him back there. And uh, we saw paramedics run backstage, which was behind us. So Bill and Gloria was still out front. And, of course, we didn't want to panic everyone because we didn't know at that point what was wrong. So we continued singing for another 10 or 15 minutes. And um, a couple of the people came back out to the stage and told us that, um, you know, they were working on him. And they thought it might be his heart. And you don't think about somebody dying, you know. I mean, right. people do have heart attacks and 
they revived them, and you know, we we of course we didn't think of the worst. Right. So we continued, and then at one point they called Bill backstage, and when he came out, he said we were going to do one more song, and dismissed everyone to have prayer for Anthony. And we really didn't know till we walked off the stage and went back there that he had passed. And um, at that point, all the artists just hovered around Anthony and his wife in that little room on the floor. And we prayed and we cried and we sang and we held on to each other. And then after that, we had a little meeting in one of the lounges till about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, the, the artists that were on stage with Bill and Gloria and decided, uh, you know, we had like six more shows to do on the ship. And um, Bill wanted everyone's input. And we wanted to be reverent to Anthony, who was such an amazing artist, an amazing person, and was so dedicated to his line of work and gospel music. So um, we didn't know whether to cancel the show. Actually, the Isaacs and the Hoppers had a showcase the next morning mm. at 8.30 with Joy Gardner. And it, it was just we'd been up half the night. We didn't know whether to continue but one of the people that were on the cruise, one of the ministers, had made a suggestion and said that all the people that were in the audience had witnessed it. And she said, we need to involve these people in the grieving process. So what we needed to do was continue with the service the next morning and let God lead. And so we said, yes, we should do that. So the next morning we got together and all the artists were there. And um, Bill got up, made an announcement, and we had prayer. And we had a praise and worship morning, and everybody cried together. And it was healthy for us all to get that out. Then that night, it was very difficult, but we continued, and um, everybody's minds were preoccupied. But we were together out in the middle of the ocean, out in the middle of nowhere. However, you know, we have the Lord as our comfort, and uh, we knew that there was nothing we could have done to save him, and God's timing was just that way. So we sing about comfort, we sing about the Holy Spirit, we sing about heaven every night of our lives, every day of our lives. And it put us to the test because at that point we were living what we actually were singing about. And we got through it. You know, of course, his wife, Luann, was on the cruise by herself without any of the family. So some of the artists, some of the women spent the night with her until we got into Nassau and her daughter flew in. We just stuck together, and you know that's what it's about. But the people on the ship were so kind, and everybody's support, you know, we just all did the best that we could. And the next homecoming event is going to be very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think uh, it's evident that even the worst cynic of these type uh, of Christian artists who say, oh, they're just entertainers, they're just out there making money and hustling a buck, uh, I think at this point it becomes very evident that you do uh, live what you sing about, and it really boils down to ministry when something like this happens. Oh, for and, sure, uh, for sure. And uh, anybody that's ever um, been in gospel music knows, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, we become a family, mm-hmm. and especially when you work with people every week, every week. I mean, you eat lunch with them, you eat supper with them, you perform yeah. with them, you, you're, you're constantly with people it's just like a family you you have more than just business associates you're a family and you're the family of god and that's the time in a time of grief and a time of trouble you stick together and certainly um our industry is is that way and you know just about two, three weeks ago we lost doug riley yeah 
who at the age of 35 got killed in a car accident. Again, another tragedy where, I mean, two small children and Mm -hmm. Doug was the most wonderful individual. So, you know, somebody made the comment, God is really putting together a wonderful band up in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. So how do you, how do you answer? Are, Are there any answers to, you know, I think when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to ask the Lord is why, (laughs) you know, why so young, you know, and it almost doesn't seem fair, but God knows, and we just have to trust, trust in him. I think it was Mother Teresa who said, God, you'd have a lot more friends if you were nicer to the ones you already have. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, Well, one more question about this, and then we'll move on. Uh, uh, as far as you know, being somewhat on the inside with the Gaither Homecoming uh, yeah. crew, uh, technically speaking, uh, who took over at the piano uh, to finish the cruise, and who do you, uh, who, who's going to pick up where Anthony left off? You know, I don't know who's going to take up where Anthony left off. We haven't heard anything about that yet. But the three concerts that were last left on the cruise ship, Roy Webb, who plays with Signature Sound yeah. on the piano, and my son-in-law, John Bowman, has been playing guitar on the homecoming mm-hmm. uh, night, and my son Ben's playing bass. So uh, Ben and John and our fiddle player Jesse was there. So we had our band together, basically, and um, Roy Webb was on the piano uh, for the rest of the cruise. So whether he will continue on or they're going to get someone else to come out, I really don't know that yet. I, I think I'm sure they have a plan, but we haven't heard yet how that's going to be well we're talking with lily isaacs and uh and uh, lily is the matriarch of the group uh lily you and your husband tell us about the beginning of uh, of the isaacs you and your husband joe uh sort of teamed up together uh, not only through marriage but through the love of music and you being raised in in the state of new york and specifically in the bronx uh was bluegrass unfamiliar altogether to you uh, it was. I never heard a banjo. The only time I heard a banjo was on the Beverly, oh, was on the Beverly Hillbillies. Right. So to me, being in uh, in um, gospel music was something so foreign, and especially in uh, um, uh, bluegrass. Yeah. So he was a bluegrass musician. Joe was, and me being in folk music, we never dreamed about going to church or getting saved. So we were married approximately a year when uh, a tragedy hit the family and he had a brother got uh, was killed in a car accident so we wound up in church one night and that's when we both got saved and found the lord and it was just a natural thing to do was to just wind up in uh church and just get up on the pulpit and start singing with a guitar mm-hmm. gospel songs so it just kind of happened it was never planned and uh we had a band at the time with the different musicians that joined and of course as the kids were born into our family, they were born singing and started playing music when they were very young. So it's just one of those things that I know God had planned for us and we hadn't, didn't have a clue at the time. So yeah. it, it's been an amazing journey. And being raised Jewish, there's an incredible story. And, uh, and Lily, you're, you usually tell this in the, especially the Isaac solo dates, right? I Your do. Testimony. And, you know, if we have time and I'm asked especially, I do. Sure. Uh, but yes, it's, uh, being raised Jewish, I, I didn't believe in Jesus Christ uh, as Messiah. And uh, when I did get saved, my family rejected me, and it was a very painful tar- time in my life because it was, um, you know, my family was so close to me, and because of being Holocaust survivors, I had such a devotion, dedication to my family. 
And uh, it was just a bluff. Of course, you know, they did love me, but they made me think that they turned me away because I accepted Jesus. And that took a period of time to get past that. Um, but anybody that's felt the Spirit of the Lord and knows what it's like to have Jesus in their life, you know, I just couldn't turn from it. And I had to make a choice in my life, and I chose to follow the Lord. And after a period of time, they accepted me back home. It wasn't uh, for a long time that they would speak to me, but even to this day, I have trouble with it. But um, we continue on, and you know, everybody has a cross to bear. Everybody has a sacrifice. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And and you were on the 700 Club, uh, as I understand. And, and when you told your story, their their phone banks just lit up. Yeah. Oh, uh, what an honor uh, that they called and wanted to put my story on there, and they did. I I actually I think it was um, shown sometime in September, and uh, I got news that uh, they had six or 700 calls that night for people to receive salvation, and that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So I was just so thrilled about that. And so people really relate uh, to your story. Uh, yeah, and it's strange. I, th- I don't think anybody really, you know, that has to be Jewish in order right, to relate yeah. to my story because anybody that's had a hard time, I've talked to people that that were raised up in Catholicism yeah. and or in in maybe their parents didn't go to church anywhere and uh, had followed, decided to follow the Lord, have trials and troubles and, you know, I think people that have been rejected because they followed Jesus for whatever reasons uh, can identify with what I've had to say. So I'm thankful that God's allowed me to have a platform where I can share that and be an encouragement to people. I think we sometimes take for granted, especially in the field of Southern gospel, that we think that uh, most of the people who are listening to that style of music probably grew up in the South and are cultural Christians. They yeah. they weren't totally separated from a Baptist doctrine or a Methodist doctrine or something uh, that's right. very common in this part of the country. Right. Uh, you guys live in Asheville now? Well, uh, I live in... Becky and John, my daughter and son-in-law, and I live closer to Knoxville. Okay. And Sonia and Ben, my other two kids, just about two years ago moved to Nashville. So we're all in Tennessee, just a couple hours apart. Do you guys have any uh, connections with the Bronx or with New York or anymore? Uh, my, my mother still lives in the Bronx. I okay. was just there yesterday. Yeah. And um, we, uh, yeah, she's still there. So uh, I go up every two or three times a year, and uh, since she's still living, I still have family there. Well, and I've, uh, to be honest, I've uh, just been curious, and I've watched eBay for uh, the Lily and Maria album, and it comes up every now and then, uh, about about once a week or so, I'll, I'll see one pop up there. Really? And uh, yeah, uh, somebody's got an, an old, and they're usually in very very good condition, and they're uh, what do you know? they're selling them for about fifteen twenty dollars. And uh, <laughs> what do you know? So. Well, you know what's funny is about well, I did the album in nineteen sixty seven, and completely lost touch with anything, and I think about. 10 or 12 years ago, I called someone at Columbia Records just to see if they had any mm-hmm. old albums there just for collection, yeah. just to give my kids a copy, because I actually didn't even have but two copies of my own. Mm-hmm. So somebody told me to check eBay. They didn't even make them anymore. Columbia told me they were in, no longer in print. And there were two people, this has been about two years ago or three, that had one for sale. And one guy asked $70 wow. for uh, a Lily Maria album. And I thought, oh, my God, it's worth something. <laughs> and you know, I bought it for $70. Your own album. Wow. My own album. And when I called him and told him who I was, I thought, oh, well, he's just going to send it to me. Oh, no. <laughs> but that was just so funny. So since then, every now and then I do see one pop up. It's funny to me, though, that 
people are still asking for it. Yeah. Well, in talking about uh, the whole situation that happened last week with, with Anthony, yeah. uh, the switch from secular music in the music industry to the sacred music industry, have you noticed uh, some, some, I guess there are obvious differences, but are there some similarities uh, there that you found that uh, things are really all the same between sacred and secular and then versus the, the differences that are obvious, like you're singing about things eternal versus yeah. things well, that really don't matter as much? In the secular world of music, I mean, I think that people are not as personable as in gospel music. Mm-hmm. I think in Christian music, um, we're more like a family yeah. than in a secular world. Um, and, you know, people, there, there's competitive spirits everywhere you look, whether it be in sports or in the business world or even in music. But I've noticed more so uh, in in the secular music industry there's a lot more um competition than there is in the gospel music world um the professional gospel music world um where people do work together quite often i mean you know you take people that are on stage for example we've been doing the homecoming tours now for the last three years steadily and you know one artist gets up and everybody's like a cheerleader for Mm -hmm. them and when they do well, we feel great. You know, I yeah. mean, when people are blessed and enjoying the message and song, then it's a, an enjoyable feeling that you know that they're they're ministering just like you are. And I think that's the biggest difference that I see in from secular to the gospel music world. And it should be that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really should because we're all working for God, and we're we're ministers of the Lord. Um, and when we're singing Christian songs, especially to a world that doesn't understand, then the example that we give as a Christian family speaks louder than many songs we sing. You're absolutely right, and it's very, very evident and obvious when you uh, when you watch the Isaacs perform, when you when you look at gospel music, and especially uh, the Homecoming Friends. It's just like that. You can you can sense that through the videos and in the concerts. When uh, when I think of the Isaacs, my default. Uh, my default category I place you in is bluegrass, but um, but I think you you go far beyond just the bluegrass box. Uh, tell us about the styles and the varied styles that the Isaacs bring to the stage. Well, we have acoustic instruments, of course. We have a banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, upright bass. Uh, but when my kids started writing songs uh, in the late 80s into early 90s, they brought more of a contemporary feel to the style of music, and it came from their hearts. The harmonies are different, the chord progression. So I think that we're really not traditional bluegrass. However, we can kick off a song like Sally Gooden or (laughs) (laughs) um, Orange Blossom Special, and they do a great job at it. But we love to really venture out into blues and a little bit of jazz run and new grass, which is something we love doing, which has a, a little more of a... Um, pop feel to the bluegrass style. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, to say that we're strictly bluegrass is not fair, um, although we use bluegrass instrumentation. Um, I think you consider all that. So I just love to say that we're kind of a hybrid uh, <laughs> acoustic band that we're, you know, we're not afraid to try right. something different. It doesn't have to be a traditional bluegrass song for us to do it. And I love that because yeah. we can put our own touch to a song and make it sound the way we want it to come out. So 
Yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun to do that. We ha- we've added a fiddle player last year, Jesse Stockman, and he's an incredible musician. He's just added so much to our sound, uh, and it's been a lot of fun just kind of getting together and seeing what comes out of it. I like the term you use, hybrid, and we think yeah, of hi- hybrid. Said that to me. Yeah, hybrid cars are environmentally safe, and I would imagine that the <laughs> Isaacs, uh, uh, you reach out and, and bridge the gap and become very safe to the environment you're in. And, well, and I hope so. And the, the young kids, are you seeing more, uh, uh, more of an attraction to the Isaacs because of their varied style? Yeah, I, we do. I mean, you know, our, our crowds vary. Uh, in our own concerts, we see a lot of, you know, anywhere young till, you know, older people. Of course, the Gaither concerts still attract a lot of the older people because of I think the he's trying to break into a younger set now too I've noticed a lot of the talent that's on the Gaither stage um, appeals to maybe a little bit younger set but you know you've the old timers that were on of course Vestal and Jake and um, Hovey and all those so a lot of the older people have kind of migrated into the Gaither homecoming crowd but I have noticed a lot more of the younger people picking up with that. We do a lot of bluegrass festivals as well. And if you've ever been to a bluegrass festival, uh, there's a lot of younger people that are really turned on to bluegrass music. Yeah. And what's strange is there are so many people that come up to us and say, we never liked bluegrass music. <laughs> we didn't know we liked it. Yeah, yeah. And when we heard you guys, you know, we love it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just so pleased. Um, I feel blessed that we've had a platform to be able to introduce another kind of gospel music to people that normally might not have come to a bluegrass festival or an Isaacs concert. And it's fun to explore different types of gospel music. And we'll get a chance to uh, to explore the uh, the repertoire of the Isaacs on Sunday night at 6 o'clock, March the 5th. Uh, Lily, you're coming to Thomaston to Mountain yes, View Baptist Church. And this is going to take place at 6 o'clock on, uh, on Sunday night. Uh, is this going to be a full-fledged concert? Yes, it is. And as far as I know, it is. As, as far as you know, and what um, what can you expect at a, at a at a in a church setting on a Sunday night with the Isaacs? Well, normally we get to perform about an hour and a half, and uh, we do a lot of requested songs, and uh, we get to interact with the people one on one, which is what we love. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll hopefully we'll have everybody laughing and maybe have a tear here and there if it's something spiritual and uh, we just we just try to be ourselves and we love meeting people uh, in an intimate setting in a church that way because it's so special so we never know what to expect we just say holy spirit just take over and normally you know god you know will always bless the the concert and uh, when we leave it up to him it always does and i just don't know how else to explain what would happen yeah. Mountain View Baptist Church, again, is the venue, and if you'd like more information about the concert, uh, that information is available at 706-646-2101, 706-646-2101. And that's uh, this Sunday night, March the 5th, in Thomaston with the I-6. And listen, you guys have been performing for over 30 years, and you've you've won the Dove Awards and uh, and uh, two International Bluegrass Music Association Award nominations. Now, was that this just this year only? No, um, or is that over, it's a, over a period of short time. Short period of time. Yes. yes. And uh, the Grand Ole Opry, you, I've, I've seen you guys there a lot. And, of course, yes. Gaither Homecoming Stage. 
the Isaacs, if you've never heard them before, where have you been? They're, they've been around for a while, and you need to, you need to be in tune with what they're doing. Uh, Lily, this has been so much fun. Can we do it again? Yes, we can, for sure. For and sure. Uh, we, we will be in touch and following, uh, following uh, your website. What is that, by the way? www.theisaacs.com. All right. Very easy to remember. And we'll put a link there on our website as well. Lily, yes. uh, thanks for talking to us. I know oh, your I day and it. schedule is so busy, and we'll uh, we'll look forward to doing this again soon. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.